please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Good morning and welcome to Morning Espresso. My name is Carlo Fascinati and I will be your moderator today. I'm really pleased to welcome all our viewers around the world to our inaugural webinar series, Morning Espresso. The concept is simple. Every Wednesday, today, at 10 a.m., I will host a special guest that will, we will discuss topics that matter most to you. In addition, we'll be joined by senior macro strategist, Dr. Sebastian Galli, who will give his insights into the latest macro news. You'll notice also at the bottom of the screen, you have a Q&A function, should you like to ask questions throughout the webinar. In addition, you can send an email to nordeafunds at nordea.lu, or of course, reach out to your sales representative. Today's special guest is Thomas Sorensen, Portfolio Manager of the Nordea One Global Climate and Environment Fund, who will discuss today why climate solutions still make sense. Now, before we begin talking to Thomas, let's go over to our dear friend and colleague, Sebastian Galli. Good morning, Sebastian. Good morning. And where are you connecting from your work from home this morning? I'm in uh, Germany, in the south, in uh, Bavaria, to be precise, in a city called Regensburg. Well, so guten Morgen to you and to your family. Guten Morgen zusammen. So look, Sebastian, let's go right after it. In my first question, we've been discussing in the last few weeks, we've noticed this big divergence between Main Street and Wall Street. Main Street is uh, facing one of the worst economic crises probably in the last 100 years, while Wall Street, although it stumbled a little bit in early March, has seemed to have recovered and is now rallying quite strongly. Is there is a reason, uh, a re rationale behind this, or is this really sort of some madness that we're seeing in the market? Well, the way to look at it is the way the economist has phrased it. If, if we look at that picture, you can see the dichotomy between Wall Street and Main Street, and the difference between the two is gigantic. But the one is doing very well, one is doing very poorly. No, not everybody is. The problem is that even though it's a very difficult situation right now, the equity market is actually forward-looking. It's not trading on the current situation. It's trading on what's going to happen six months, one year, two years, five years, and even 20 years uh, down the road. And then, so it's, there's no incoherence between the equity market, which is up, uh, helped by central banks and, and the likes, versus a, a stock market, uh, versus a main street, which is obviously suffering very much. And if we're looking at so how governments are, are, are reacting right now, we, know, we see some of them are coming out of this uh, post-COVID slowly. Others are still in, in lockdown. There's been several stimulus packages. How are these uh, governments going to be handling crises going forward? And who are going to be the winners and losers in this situation? Not everybody's created equal in the sense that some have better balance sheets to, to work with, some are more aggressive, some are more able, and some have stumbled upon themselves, uh, particularly on the healthcare uh, type of situation and, uh, and the, the, the recovery process. Um, so that means that, for example, in the, UK, in the UK, it might be more difficult, but it might be much better in Germany, uh, Denmark, Sweden, uh, and the likes, much better managed, not as well managed in the United States from the healthcare point of view, very well from uh, an economic point of view. So uh, a lot of uh, disparity in in, uh, in different countries worldwide. 
And if we're having a look sort of going back to what we were just discussing a few moments ago with regards to this equity rally or recovery rather, we see certain stocks, uh, growth stocks in particular driving the market. We were discussing a little bit earlier, Amazon, when we look at the stock price, we know that it's been just continuously going up. What is this rationale behind this in, in terms of growth stocks or is it really purely some madness, uh, exuberance by the market? I think Amazon is a very good example. It's an amazing company able to adapt uh, to uh, a new economy and able to adapt very well to the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, and, and we see the stock price, of course, rise as a, as a function of that. And the question when you look at companies such as these is, these are diamonds in the rough, but some of them are coal and some of them are diamond. And the question is to figure out which is which. And what we're seeing in the Curity Rally is that a very small group of companies are doing very well for very obvious reasons. There are prestige stocks uh, such as Tesla, which is a slightly separate issue. And the question is that we haven't drifted yet from these prestige or these top stocks, I apologize, to what you could call the secondary layers, the mid caps, the less known companies. Uh, and that process hasn't happened yet. When it has happened fully in uh, many, many, many of these uh, mid cap companies and small, small well-known uh, companies perform extremely well, then that's probably when it paints a picture, which is an impossible one. If we look so, at the weight, yep. So certainly you could say that within within that sort of analysis that there's still some good diamonds in the rough in terms of in the growth stocks and that you just need to partner up with the right sort of portfolio manager investment manager in order to find these diamonds in the rough very much so I, I was an asset allocator and my business was doing asset allocation but it was also to go to the portfolio managers and get from them uh, their view of the world they see the industries better so companies better they grab information much better on trends uh, changes in consumer behaviors and the likes and there's a great richness in them and so this, this brings me to, to sort of my, my, my last question to you, which is, okay, we know that obviously we're living in a new world, a post-COVID world. Uh, every crisis brings fundamental changes, fundamental realignments. What themes do you expect will emerge going forward? I think there are two main themes. One is linked to oil and climate, and oil prices probably will rise in September. Uh, why? Because demand is going to pick up. People are starting to use their cars. Supply is falling because the shale oil is basically uh, declining at a very rapid rate. And also, I mean, we're probably going to get a, uh, a cut coming from Saudi Arabia, which is in dire straits um, with Russia, obviously. Uh, and the combination of this should mean better oil prices. And why does it matter for climate? Oil prices are at a higher level incentivize people to look for other sources of energy. So climate typically does better than this, but it is a more, much more complicated story than this. The second theme we're looking at is a rebound in economic activity in China propagating uh, in, uh, in Asia and broadly helping two factors. One is uh, middle class, which basically is still rising up in Asia. And secondly, the IT sector, which is uh, doing well and is very innovative in the region. Well, thank you. Thank you, Sebastian. If we take sort of the key takeaways from your analysis this morning, I would say, okay, when we're discussing Main Street versus Wall Street, yes, there's a divergence between the two, but the equity rally that we're seeing right now seems to be rational. Uh, when we're talking about selective growth stock selection, you have to be very uh, selective in who you choose to work with. But in addition, we know that innovation pays off in the long term. And we have a very experienced portfolio manager that we'll be speaking to in a few moments that can attest to that. Uh, and then finally, these new economic trends that we're seeing that coming out of the post-COVID world. Obviously, we have the climate COVID uh, tango, as we just discussed, and obviously the emergence of uh, China rebound being uh, the leader going forward in terms of a first rebound in economic world. Okay, so thank you so much, Sebastian. We look forward to having you again here next week for your quick and insightful uh, analysis. Thank you.
So then I would like to switch to Copenhagen, Denmark, where our portfolio manager, Thomas Sorensen, is joining us this morning. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, and thanks for, uh, for allowing me on the show. Well, thank it's you. An for... honor. It's, it's the first show. It's a, it's a real honor, to be honest. We have very high expectations, and that's why we wanted to start off with the very best. So thank you so much. Uh, I see that you're joining us in a true work-from-home scenario this morning. This is uh, the room of one of my daughters. Uh, they are back to school now, so it's nice and quiet, though. So, uh, so it's okay. Well, I, I like the setup. I like it because I feel like it's sort of what our, our, our daughter, sons and daughters that, that have been going at working at well, staying at home have been having to do classes from home. So hopefully we can give our, our investors and our viewers around the world a, a very good class this morning from, from your home. So, so Thomas, I would like to just jump straight at it. Uh, you know, we've been all stuck home for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've seen, obviously, the impact of COVID-19, not just on, on financial markets, but also on Mother Nature. We've seen that sort of global emissions have come down. Uh, this is something that has been quite extraordinary. And up until this point, we really haven't been able to do such a controlled study of having many uh, major cities around the world locked down. What, what have you been observing these last couple of weeks? No, it's, uh, it's correct what you say. I mean, we have, uh, it's clear that humans have a huge effect on the climate. I mean, that we kind of knew uh, beforehand, but now we, as you say, you know, we start to see the evidence, clear evidence here. I think we have a slide showing the CO2 emissions uh, coming down. And it's, of course, linked to recessionary periods. Uh, and this has just been very staggering. Um, and, uh, and then we show a couple of, uh, of small funny pictures on the side here. Uh, you know, we can also see that wild animals are starting to take back the cities. Uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's extraordinary times. Huh? And, and, it's and it's certainly something that, that we've been seeing in all major cities, not just in these pictures, but you can see it on the news every day where wildlife is coming back into, into, our, into our world. We also, I think we have another slide that here we would like to, to show our clients as well as sort of the, the impact as yeah. well, these, these amazing satellite images. I know you for a fact, before COVID, you were traveling all around Europe, all around the world to talk to our clients about climate. You've particularly visited the regions in Southern Europe, I'm sure many times, Madrid and Milan in particular, these are just amazing amazing, amazing satellite images one year apart. Oh, it is really. Uh, look at, you know, the improvements in, in air quality. Uh, it's, it's really staggering. Uh, and it's clear, you know, when you shut down whole cities, then, uh, then you will see the effect immediately. And uh, this, is, this is the proof, you know, this is what we see out there. Huh? And the proof is in the pudding, as they say. I would also, you know, you said you were rummaging around this morning and you found a, a game from all the way back in the 80s. And you said it sort of reminds you of the situation that's going on right now. Can you share that story with, with, our, with our viewers? Yeah, now uh, I don't know if you can see it on the screen. This is actually the first game that I had from the from the 80s. Uh, it's not the computer power that we see today, obviously. Um, but... Um, but it kind of reminds me a little bit about this. It's, oh, I need to press here. Hold on a second. No worries, so, this is live. So, so it's, uh, it's, it reminds me a little bit about the situation today. Uh, the game is about, uh, is about saving, uh, you can say, people out of burning houses. Uh, and it reminds me a little bit about the situation today. You know, this is how we fight the, the corona crisis, I believe. Uh, the, the governments are trying to get ahead of the situation. They are turning to very drastic measures to, uh, to, to kind of, uh, you would say, to get ahead, uh, basically locking down the whole world. And I can tell you, you know, this is not how we can fight the looming climate crisis. 
this will not go. You know, we can't move continents. So we need to figure out a different solution. Uh, and here we need to embark on prevention. This is crucial. But the good thing is that we have the solutions out there, Carlo. Right. We have and, and solutions out there that make economic sense. They just need to be deployed. This is how we need to tackle the climate crisis. We cannot up to, you know, to, 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 to what, you, what you're doing in the game here, we're trying to run faster and faster just to stand still. This will not go. Huh? Uh, so this is, you know, what we, need to, what we need to focus on now because there is still a climate crisis out there that needs to be fought. And, and look, you've been running your strategy, your Global Climate Environment Fund since 2008. So obviously you have a long successful track record in this field, but you, you were discussing with me earlier, so you have three over, overarching goals that you're trying to pursue. Can you please uh, tell us about these goals? Yeah, uh, first of all, we want to create attractive returns. We want to beat the general market over time and I want to beat my competitors as well. Huh? Then we want to move the world in the right direction and that we do by allocating capital towards these solution providers. Huh? Mm -hmm. The third goal is that we want to be an active owner. We want to push the ESG agendas inside the companies we invest in. Huh? Um, and now I, now you, I mean, you can't cry now, Carlos, but uh, I want to show you a picture. Uh, that my daughter has uh, has just painted, you know, for me. Uh, I don't know if you can see it, but it's, uh, it's it. showing, of course, the earth. Huh? And on the side, she has kind of written, uh, we need to protect the environment, we need to recycle more. Huh? Please don't cry, Carlos. But it is, you know, what it's all about. We need to deploy these solutions, you know, so the next generation can have as good a place than we have. I couldn't agree with you more. And by the way, it's a very beautifully uh, drawn picture by, by your daughter. So please give her my, my congratulations to artistic ability. Uh, look, we all know, or for those that maybe are less familiar, you know, your, your strategy has these, these three over, overarching uh, clusters. And I think it's really important that maybe you can describe briefly these clusters on the underlying strategies, because I think that will obviously show our investors that are joining us. So now, where do you find these wonderful ideas? Where do you find find these climate solutions that make economic sense today and yeah. not in 20 years. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we have a picture uh, of the strategies. Do we have a, do right we have a picture here? There yes, no. This was, uh, this was how we defined climate environment when we started uh, these 12 years ago. So uh, we divided it into these three clusters. This is how we see climate and environment. So resource efficiency, environment protection, and alternative energy. And underneath, we operate with what we call strategies to be a little bit more specific, what kind of areas that we invest in. Uh, it's very broad, as you can see, uh, and that's also the beauty, because it allows us not to be caught in a corner, and it allows us to apply a disciplined framework when it comes to portfolio construction and risk management. Huh? In, the, in the universe and in our portfolio, we have stable compartments, we have more economic sensitive compartments, we have compartments linked to, uh, to consumption, we also have compartments linked to more, more corporate spending. So, so very broad based and that is really the beauty. Huh? Um, and then uh, <clears throat> Uh, and and you know you know the prerequisite here was really you know we do not want to narrow kind of universe because then you you kind of risk that you are caught in a corner. That was really important for me. 
Absolutely. And so look, now, now that we sort of have a, a, an overarching view of your clusters, can you point out to a couple of examples or areas that have been most impacted by COVID-19 where you see some opportunities? Yeah, it's clear in, 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 in all equity portfolios, uh, um, um, uh, the companies linked to more, you know, the travel, the kind of leisure, uh, the, you know, activities outside the home. These have been impacted a lot. And we also have, uh, have, uh, have companies in the portfolio where, where this has been the case. Um, some of these areas will come back you know, quicker than others. You can take the, 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 the kind of automotive value chain, for instance. That's an area that has been hit hard, really hard. Huh? When, we are not, uh, when we are not going to work, we don't drive, da, 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 when the world is locked down, you know, we don't use the car. Huh? But I believe here that people will return to the car dealers. People will look for the new models uh, the new electric models, the new hybrid models, when uh, when we slowly open up again, there will be other areas, you know, where it might take longer. Huh? Uh, like, you know, we will probably not need to build a whole, I mean, new airplanes, you know, in the short run here, because that that that, that has come to a full stop. Huh? Uh, other areas where we will see, you know, the, that it's slowly coming back, uh, it will also be, you know, out of the home dining again. So our 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 exposure to to the more, uh, you know, energy efficient, uh, you know, equipment for for uh, for canteens and restaurants, that, that that will also slowly come back again. And of course, our job is to look for these attractive risk rewards, and that is what we do, you know, day day in and day out. Um, then, then I also need to uh, to, uh, to to make a drawing for you, uh, because I think we do not we need to remember this. Uh, I have shown the drawing before to some people, um, but I think it's very important. This is why you need to be very bullish on the climate and environment. Uh, I, I hope you can see it. Uh, yes, I can see it. Yes, that's good. Up here on this axis, we have the degree of digitalization. And out here, that's why change, or we do a delta. Huh? And then I do a, the classical S-curve here. And what we are observing is that, that some of the highly digitalized industries, like media, we talked about Amazon uh, before, so retail, how we shop, how we shop more and more online. Eh? Um, uh, these more consumer-facing industries where we see high degree of digitalization, there we have seen a lot of change, a lot of change. Eh? Um, the, but the enabling technologies, uh, you know, that has made this possible, they are now starting to, to, uh, to rattle down to the more asset-heavy industries, like, like transportation, like construction, like manufacturing, like agriculture and this is extremely bullish because these are the industries that need to be tackled for us to tackle the overall climate and environment problem huh? these are the heavy energy users the heavy resource users the heavy co2 emitters they need to be tackled and that is being done now as we speak various speeds though but but we can see these moving up that curve here and, 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 you know, humans are not good at exponential developments. We think more linear. That is why the market will underestimate this. So we think more linear and the market do not catch this steep part of the S-curve. Um, that is also uh, what we can observe now, actually, that some of the technologies that are exposed to this, like simulation software, 
like, like design software in general, they are hardly seeing any impact from the from the crisis now because it's so mission critical and it's you know it's 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 longer term development programs that's going on here this is extremely bullish and uh, we spend a lot of time you know trying to to find the right companies uh, uh, in this space huh? Um, one element, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Carlo. Um, one element uh, is actually also on the construction side. Here, we also see the deployment of software to help that industry. Uh, that's an industry that's a funny one, you know. Uh, it doesn't make money in, uh, in good times, certainly not in bad times, that needs to be made more efficient. And that is being done by applying, you know, efficient software like, like BIM, stands for Building Information Modeling. Um, so taking the building process from the architect to the finish line in a more efficient way saves a lot of resources, good for the environment, good, I mean, investments. And, um, and, yeah, sorry. And, and, and Thomas, we actually have a, one of the first questions uh, from one of our clients, and I thought it would be a good moment to, to, to throw that one uh, in there. When you, we were uh, discussing the, the previous slide uh, where we were showing the, the clusters, uh, yeah. uh, the portfolio has companies such as uh, McCormick and, and Kerry Group. Uh, the yeah. client would, would like to know which categories would these uh, fall into and, and what is the rationale behind the categories that they would fall into? Yeah, this is, uh, this is in our green consumerism strategy uh, on the environment protection. And uh, that was a strategy that we, uh, that we introduced around 2016, because here it got meaningful, uh, uh, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, of exposure in the underlying companies. What it is, is that we as consumers now want to buy products that have a positive impact on the environment. We want uh, we want, you know, natural, we want organic, we want free from, we are sick and tired of all the plastics flying around. Uh, this is what the strategy is about, that consumer behavior that's changing. Huh? So carry that's the leader in natural ingredients. So, so, so they are I mean, a clear beneficiary of this. Huh? Uh, and, and, and the same goes for McCormick. Um, so here again, we are focused on the solution providers, the guys making the, you know, en enabling this to happen. You know, the, the ingredients here in this case. And what what considerations do you give in terms of geographic uh, diversification in your investment choices? Yeah, we, it's all bottom up driven. Huh? We look for attractive risk rewards, um, and then you know, in terms of how how the portfolio then is constructed in the end, that that is an uh, that is an overlay we do uh, you know in the end. Huh? Uh, so the first is that we want to find attractive risk rewards. This is our job. Absolutely. Uh, and then look, we were just to shift gears a little bit. We were discussing uh, a few days ago, obviously being an active owner is really important to you and the team. Uh, engagement is very important. Can you give us a recent example of a company that you've engaged in? Yeah, um, we, uh, we have, uh, I, I think I will give you one example and that's, uh, and that's from sunny Hawaii. Um, um, we have invested in, in 2016-17, I believe, we invested in Hawaiian Electric and Hawaiian Electric is the main utility and grid operator on Hawaii. Um, on Hawaii, uh, the state of Hawaii uh, has a stated goal of being 100% renewable, but out in 2045. So long out, eh? long out. Um, the company is, uh, has been, I mean, very sleepy. It's also, um, Carlo, it's easier just to, uh, you know, do as is. Huh? It's right. a hassle if you want to do new things. Huh? And, and I think, you know, 
uh, if I show you a little picture from the annual report, are you able to see it? Yeah, I can see some faces. I have nothing there. against, uh, you know, males in Hawaii shirts. That is not the point. Um, uh, I know this is the dress on Hawaii, but look at the, at the diversity here. There's hardly any females on the board of directors. Huh? Um, um, yeah, so, so this is a little bit of picture of, of, of what, you know, what is the kind of attitude inside the company, or was the attitude. Uh, so they wanted to take a very slow path, you know, that's long to 2045, so let's be easy and gentle, and that's uh, also easier for, for ourselves. Huh? Um, um, so this is the path they wanted to take. Huh? We wanted them to embark on an on acceleration, more, more, more renewables, more solar on Hawaii, and, and, and because it makes economic sense. It makes economic sense on Hawaii to deploy solar, obviously. Huh? That, that value creation here in the middle, huh? that can then be shared uh, among shareholders and also, uh, and, and also other stakeholders on Hawaii, so, so hence the ratepayers. Huh? So it makes sense from all angles. Huh? Uh, but as I said, you know, they have been a little bit slow. Uh, so we were engaging with the company on, you know, an acceleration of the kind of renewable uh, deployment, but also we wanted new people in the board that could drive this, huh? a refreshment of the board. So these two issues. And now I've also, also done a little print of the 2019 annual report, and now it gets very small, but you already see, you know, much, I mean, many more females on the board, um, um, a more diverse board, uh, also a little younger. Um, and we need people that could drive, you know, this effort uh, more efficiently. Um, it's an amazing draw, drastic draw, change that you just see in that in the in the two pictures. Yeah, no, no, it's um, it's of course not, um, it's of course not, uh, but but I think diversity matters, and I yeah. think you need people on a board that can drive, you know, uh, uh, the agenda, huh? and we needed we needed new blood here. Huh? Absolutely. Uh, look, Thomas, I think you're, you're creating a lot of buzz because the, the questions keep coming in. So I'm really excited. Uh, look, another question is, uh, they, they really enjoyed your illustration of the S-curve. And the question is, okay, with regards to the digital slash change on the S-curve, where do you yeah. see technological companies like ASML and Infineon sitting in investment themes? Yeah, uh, on Infineon, uh, yeah, oh, now I, I, I know, deleted the drawing. <laughs> no, uh, never mind. Um, no, Infineon is, uh, is, um, is a key enabler of electrification of cars. So they do power semiconductor. It's a German company doing power semiconductors. They are one of the leaders. Power semiconductors is analog technologies. So it's about optimizing to the finest. These power semi semiconductors, they get as hot as two iron when you do your shirt. Now, now I'm in a very, very relaxed T-shirt today, but uh, but but they 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 become as hot as two iron. Uh, so so and, and heat is power loss, and that needs to be optimized. Infineon is one of the leaders here. Huh? Um, so the more electric, the more hybrid, the more electric uh, a car become, the more you need of. Of, of the content of Infineon, huh? the more you need of these power semi semiconductors. So Infineon will help the drive to more, to more electric. Uh, and that we will see coming, you know. When we return, uh, you know, to work and when the, the dealerships are opening, I think people will look for these new technologies again. 
people will not, I mean, go back in time and and buy, you know, diesel cars uh, and 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 what have you. The world is moving on. The world has moved on. The train has left. Absolutely. Uh, that's in Finland. ASML is uh, is uh, is doing machines that can produce uh, these chips that goes in, you know, in in all the areas that you see here. Huh? They are they are the leader in that efficiency drive. Uh, so a little bit more broad based. Huh? And one one final question here that we have from our viewers is: Could you share your world uh, your view, sorry, on how circular based companies can be attractive for investors and their role as solution for the climate problem? Um, I, I think in all industries we need to think, or people are thinking about sustainability. Uh, that goes, uh, you know, across ac across the industries that we're looking at, and and I think that people are getting more and more aware of this. Uh, you can also take the fashion industry um, that that I've gotten a couple of questions in the past about. Here we also see it very, very, you know, it's getting more and more visible that companies know that they need to think about sustainability from from uh, what kind of uh, what kind of material they use and how they how the process is across uh, uh, the, the kind of value chain. Uh, we need to embark on more recycling. Uh, we need to get going on that circular economy. Uh, the fashion industry, to take that as an example, is a big, big user of, uh, of water, uh, and and also you know, uh, and also energy. So a big CO2 emitter. Um, um, so so we need to optimize that. Uh, and here, technology plays a role because because we need we need new, uh, new machines to do it more efficiently. Uh, they all I also see that they are embarking on uh, on artificial intelligence. The industry they are embarking on blockchains to be able to track. You know, from the from the, the kind of clothes from the start to the finish, um, all these technologies are just seeping in to all kind of industries. Uh, sometimes we are able to get uh, exposure. Sometimes, and that's a little bit the case in the fashion industry. It's uh, it's hard to get pure play. I mean, exposure. It's get it's hard to get exposure as an equity investor. You have some uh, exposed to uh, to the more natural fibers, but that's very capital intensive, bad investments. Uh, and all these enabling technologies, they are embedded in some of the larger ones. Um, but then we will get them there. Huh? Uh, so that's a little bit our, our that's a little bit the kind of trick sometimes to, to find, you know, uh, you know, adequate exposures in, uh, in the companies out there. But oh, circular economy uh, that we need to embark on. Well, thank, thank you again, Thomas. And, and I think that we can close out the, the, the questions for now. Uh, I would like to maybe just go quickly to the key takeaways from the session today for our viewers. So just to sum it up again, uh, remember that with the Global Climate and Environment Fund, you're getting a really strong track record of over 12 years with consistently strong performance. You're getting a passionate, I think we've seen all the passion from Thomas and obviously he also has his co-portfolio manager, Henning Padwerg, who also has equal amount of passion for this, this climate fund with 10 plus years of, of, of experience and intimate knowledge of this investment universe. And as we can see, there are many opportunities in this investment universe today. Uh, unique approach, obviously, to focus pure on 
on climate solutions that meet sort of the needs of for the here and now and are generally obviously creating a, a positive impact on society. And finally, obviously, we can leverage from our uh, expertise from a responsible and sustainable finance team where we have other over 40 investment professionals, which is working uh, closely, obviously, with uh, Thomas's team and the fundamental equities team in order to guide them also in this active engagement uh, journey. So I'd like I mean, to- I mean, I mean, listen, Carlo, this will not be a straight line as always in life. It's never a straight line, uh, but Absolutely. we are confident in the midterm here uh, and then we will do whatever we can to, uh, to create attractive returns and, and, and move the world in the right direction for our, for our investors. Listen, this is about trust. I will do anything in my power to, to kind of gain the trust. And if I have it, then retain it. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would like to say a special thank you again to you, Thomas, for joining me today from, from Copenhagen and also to uh, Dr. Sebastian Galli joining us from Bavaria. I hope our viewers have enjoyed our first morning espresso show. Uh, I would also like to make the announcement for next week. Our special guests will be Jakob Tapp of the Nordea One European Financial Debt Fund Portfolio Manager. Of course, I invite you to visit nordea.lu, the microsite Stay Alert, where you can find more information on how to navigate the COVID-19 with your Nordea and investments. And of course, please reach out to your Nordea sales representative if you'd like any more information. And until next time, or rather until next week at Wednesday at 10 a.m., I hope you stay well and be well. Thank you for joining us.